What is your favorite type of getaway? Adventurous. Beach. Uh, extreme. I was in the middle of saying like extreme. Is that extreme? what you meant? Yeah, well, I heard you say like adventurous. I was thrown yeah. off by the question. And then when you said adventurous, I was like, wait, what? What was yeah. your question? <laughs> what was your favorite type of getaway? Like vacation. Okay. And like, what entails that answers? There's like, people like to, uh, to go on vacations, they'll be like lazy. Some okay. people like to be like, you know, adventurous. Some people like to be like, you know. So it's not oh. like location. Like, no, oh, tourist, like, I want to yeah, like go touristy, everywhere and do yeah. everything in the city, or I want to go and relax on the beach. <laughs> or, or like, some people are like, oh, I want to go do, like, what the locals do. Or, like, some people are like, I want to go to, like, all the main places that everybody, like, this place is, like, known for. Mm. You know, like, when we went to Paris, for example, we were, like, less excited to see the Eiffel Tower, but we were, like, super excited to go see, like, what the locals do. So we, like, asked around, went to, like, a river that, like, all these locals were chilling at, and they had, like, this music playing, whatever. But, yeah. Yeah, I'm seeing, I'm seeing, I just looked up, like, types of getaways. Uh So it could be a trip abroad, a trip to the beach, camping trip, trip (laughs) to the city. I answered right. A a road trip. No, no, look, look, a road trip, that's exciting. A cruise, a group tour, a girls slash guys trip. <laughs> yeah. I guess, do you think about that before you travel, though? Like, oh, I want to have this type of a trip? Or do you just take sort the trip? Of, and yeah. then... Because I think of every trip as including a lot of these elements. Yeah, like all of them. Like, there's mm-hmm. going to be, it de- I guess it depends where you go. But yeah, for sure. Say you're going to, like... Uh, Jamaica right mm-hmm. and then you're like okay it's gonna be heavily on the beach and doing relaxing and stuff but then okay let's also find the jet skis and well jet skis were banned mm-hmm. in Jamaica for some reason but um you know <laughs> Wait, like the water sports were? we did yeah I remember <laughs> okay. asking them but the water sports we did and um you know the group activities like volleyball mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff so yeah like for example, you know how we we all went to Ohio Pile and like the whole time we like went like hiking and we went like yeah like that's a, that's definitely yeah. a type of trip yeah. Yeah. yeah and like for example we knew going into it like that was what we were going to have mm. whereas I know if I'm like planning like a beach vacation with my girlies or like if we're going to like Miami or whatever it's going to be like a very much like get cute like stay in the sun type of relaxing vibe. But, like, you know, we do think about that ahead. Like, for example, I'm planning a trip with my girls right now. And we're like, okay, what do we want to do? And we're like, okay, well, like, I kind of want to do something exploring. But, like, you know, I want to relax. But we're all, like, deciding on what type we want before we go ahead and book. Yeah, this is why it's really go. annoying going on a trip with girls. <laughs> well, that was not a part of the question. <laughs> that's, that, that's included in my answer, actually. Because... <laughs> If it's with the girls, it changes everything because now you have to add an extra two to three hours before you do you an activity. You always say this stuff, but <laughs> when we were in Ohio pile, I was the first one ready for everything. Like I was literally like the first Chamir. one out. Shamir, when we were going to do the thing in Jamaica, how long did we have to wait? <laughs> what thing in Jamaica? How long did we have to wait? I, I don't remember the exact time, but we did have but to wait. But was it in wait. hours or not? Sometimes it'd be a while. 
We're on a resort. You guys could have did whatever you wanted the whole time. What thing? Okay, yeah, but but we, that's what I'm saying. There's a lot of things we did in Jamaica. What anyways, thing? anyways. How, wait, how are you? What do you mean? Amber, you Amber, mean? I'm not going. I don't want to go into it. Anyways, thank I'm, you guys I'm for dead. tuning into an episode hope, of Strange Flavors. Thank you guys feels, for tuning no, into an episode of Strange Flavors. I'm uncomfortable. Thank you guys for tuning into an episode of Strange Flavors. My name is Shimmer. I'm Faraz, aka Adventure Boy. I guess I'm Amber. <laughs> And this is the strangest and greatest podcast in the game. This is brought to you by Alif Theory. If you'd like to email us or send us your music or tell us locations of where we'd like to go, um, strangeflavorspodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can listen to this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And we're also on YouTube and we just hit 1K subscribers. So let's go. Everyone Ooh. clap. If you're listening to this, clap right now. Yeah. Ooh. You can't hear it louder. Give a like. Louder. We need a louder clap. I can't All hear right. them. I can't hear them. Okay. That was loud. Good job. Good job, guys. Um, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe this video. And, you know, tell us um, what Amber's wearing right now. Because we had some comments last time. Some people agreed with us. Some people actually agreed with uh, Amber that her yeah. shirt was actually pink. And we said it was peach last time. So You guys said it was orange. I, I forgot what we said. But, but it wasn't uh, pink. It wasn't pink. But I know um, what it was. But you can go on our all our social medias at Strange Flavors if you'd like to. You know, send us a DM or just check out our post. We're also on TikTok at Strange Flavors. And if you'd like to support this podcast, like um, our wonderful supporters, Bobber's Bagels, Cassie's Cupcakes, Erha's Ices, Erha's Falafels, and Uslam's Apples, there is a link down below where you can become a supporter and be part of Strange Flavors Town and be amazing and we also have an amazing youtube channel that goes by the name of ronald ponal we have a patreon where you can drop guests and interesting suggestions and topics for this podcast too um we also have no that was the discord but we do have a patreon uh where we have exclusive content and we also have amazing merch at ronaldponal.com if you want to sponsor this podcast, we are now taking sponsors same email strangeflavorspodcast at gmail.com you want your business out here and you want to sponsor us? Let's do it. Guys, Let's... it's the cheapest rates right now because this is the strangest and greatest podcast in the game. And once it's out there in the world, um, the rates are going to go up. So right now, get it now. Facts. <laughs> and, and, and it's all because audio is the most popular and up and coming. I, I wouldn't even say up and coming. It's basically already here. The most popular way to get your message across. We've seen such a huge rise in podcasts in general, but now uh, over things like Clubhouse, which you guys are both on Clubhouse. Um, some people still don't know what it is, but basically it's a secret society where you have to get invite only um, to it. No, it's like this. It's an audio app where it's kind of like a conference, like a physical conference you'd go to, but now digitally. And you can go to like whatever different rooms you would mm -hmm. at a normal conference. But now you can go to like, you can just click around and see who's talking about what. Like, have I you guys been on it enough to know? Uh, I saw on Twitter, it was this meme that was like, or this tweet that said, um, Clubhouse just makes me realize all the numbers that I really don't care about in my phone. Because oh. I just get straight notifications for people. I'm like, why are you in my phone contacts? Like, why am I getting notifications for you? <laughs> Like, oh, phone. this person is now in Clubhouse. Do you want to follow yeah, them? Yeah, like this person, this person is in your in Clubhouse. And I'm like, I I don't even real. I didn't even realize your phone number's in my phone. <laughs> but have you have you found any um, 
anything good about or useful about Clubhouse so far that you've been on it? I think when someone like Notable joins, mm-hmm. it's pretty interesting how like everyone on Clubhouse just looks towards them. And like and you're talking creates, about like Elon. I'm talking about Elon. Uh, Mr. Beast had one. He actually like, broke the app, um, and which is crazy. And then um, people like that, and some like YouTubers I watch. Like I really like how they talk and speak. But you can, uh, they they like release a lot of knowledge, and people ask questions like right there and then there. And um, sometimes it's annoying. People are like ask really specific questions, like, "Hey, I have this makeup channel about just lipsticks. How do I like?" promote my lipstick or something and it's like very specific and sometimes that's annoying but overall like you can get trapped in the clubhouse world and just like listen on but i usually leave it in the background it's like pretty cool for sure but that's not different from how our society works way back when it was physical meetings you know what i mean like yeah the the hype of something when everybody is going towards something um a topic a person speaking then people are more likely to follow them and see and be there just for the sake of like what's going on or listen in and give that thing or person a lot more importance because yeah we all have collectively decided that there's this value yeah but a lot of cap on the app Mm -hmm. i'll say that a lot of cap but i would say why do you say that chami everyone's like hey i'm like this 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 and it's like all right we get it like we understand (laughs) but like i don't know people are just trying to flex and like you know gain followers and stuff like that and sometimes it comes off very unnatural and it's annoying um but yeah hey sometimes i feel like people are on there all day and i'm like i know you got a family to take care of i know you got something to be doing other than being on clubhouse like i should not be getting eight notifications for you a day the same name like like you probably need to be going out in the world to get the experience to bring back to the app if you're spending that much time on it. Yeah. What I've taken away from it is that, yeah, there are people that are on it all day. I've been on it all day once and see, and like in one room where it was sitting on my phone on the side and I'm just like doing work or whatever. And people on there will literally be like, oh, I've been up since like 3 a.m. last night. Like I'm going to go take a nap. And I'm like, for this? And there's that much importance in it. I guess it's addicting. It's a new app and people are excited about it and they don't want to miss out on what's going on. But there is a lot of that. And then what I've realized is that, like anything really, it's what you make of it. Because in the beginning, I was seeing a lot of these like ratchet rooms and um, people just wasting time. And then I got in and I started trolling a little bit and it was funny. Like Shamir and I did a funny little troll where I went into a room that it was like cougars looking for young men or something and (laughs) and then i was like giving a just some made up story about like yo like there's this lady i'm a waiter and i've been serving her and like i think she's like really into me she gives me a bigger tip usually and then they were like like one of the guys was trying to help me but the others were like clowning me and then i started trolling them and then they kicked me out of the room and then shamir was in the room so then i took his phone and they they moved him the audience and i was like so originally my story was about me being a waiter at Waffle House. So then when they moved Shamir up to the audience, I took his phone and I was like, yo, I'm back and I'm at Denny's this time. So what do you think now? <laughs> and then they all started losing it. But, you know, it was it was funny because we were trolling at the time. And then, like, I found some really useful rooms where you can tell when somebody's capping or not. And you can go on their profile and see what they're all about. There's people that will do one of those follow for follow situations where it's like everyone go follow this person and 
you really can't see their work. It's just kind of like in the titles and just like a resume, you could just kind of make it look flowery and fancy. Um, But also not everybody thrives in these types of environments. And in real life, I think that I would be one of those people that kind of has to show their work to, you know, I guess explain what I'm all about. I'm not going to, I don't know if I'm necessarily good at just like speaking in front of a bunch of people and, um, you know, trying to vouch for myself of why I have importance. I think that you would just have to like see this stuff, but it's kind of like this on this app too, where you have to be good at speaking. You have to be good at pitching and it's kind of cool at the same time. Like I said, it's an, it's one of those feelings where it's a new app and everyone's excited about it. And, um, I don't know if you guys remember like first being on Instagram or, you know, whatever was new, there was that one app that it was like the anonymous writing and you thumbs up and thumbs yeah. down it. What was that one? Yak or something. Yak. 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 Yeah. But, but like yeah. this one has a huge etiquette thing. Like you have, mm. you know, people perform the same way and it's like, you don't have to do that, but like, why are they performing that? Like, Oh, the moderator and like people are playing, what is, doing this. Yeah, what do you mean? I don't know. There's like a moderator and like everyone's there's like, an app. Right. Cu- there's an app culture. Yeah. App culture, mm. which is like very weird. Um, but like, I guess that's the most op how they optimized it. I don't know, but, but that's what I'm saying. That's what makes it interesting because people want to know how to play the game. Yeah. And just like a real game, when you explain somebody the rules and then you tell them, Oh, by the way, if you do this thing, it's a secret tip. And there's a lot of these secret tips that you can use to elevate yourself on this Uh, app. Twitter already released their spaces feature, which is like, just like clubhouse. Yeah, I heard it's very um, laggy right now. Yeah, but I think that's like a very natural and cool way to get into those spaces. Like you're already on the app scrolling. You see like people you follow already in the room, you join. Uh, Facebook's making one. So I think this is a new But the thing with Twitter is after all these years, Twitter's still been, for the most part, Twitter. And I like that about it because there is a Twitter culture and a way of being that... um, when it comes to Instagram or Facebook, they've changed and added so many things that it just gets so annoying along the there way. There is stories on Twitter now. Yeah. Right. But it's but still like, not like who changed. uses them? Do you? Do I you mean, click Twitter on them? has changed though, because back in the day, I used to be able to tweet literally anything and I didn't care. No, and then, culture changed though. Huh? I would say, I would say culture changed. I don't think that that's oh, okay. a Twitter thing. Yeah. yeah. The culture definitely changed of that for but sure. But as far as. There's, like the actual app, yeah. There's the same type of people where there's a there's communities, and then you can still get real serious news, and you can still add to it, and people can converse in this unique way um, that isn't necessarily as convenient on other apps. But I was mm-hmm. saying before um, we started this that I still think that Snapchat is my favorite, <laughs> and everyone always says that it's like a dying app. I just love how relaxed it is. And there's so yeah. much pressure on the other apps where, like you're saying, Amber, on Twitter, you know, you got to think about what you might say and you don't know mm-hmm. where it's going to end up. Snapchat, although I'm not like um, advertising it, like go follow me on Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Really, whoever wants to follow me follows me, but it's a lot of people I know personally. And it's just like 
you open the app, the camera's right there, you can click, you can take a video right away, and then you can just post it. There's no likes, mm -hmm. there's no, nobody can see how many people are viewing your story, how many people it's follow you. It's not like a you. clout type app. Yeah. Yeah. It's solely it's based like, on like what content you make and like. More personal app, yeah. Personal, yeah. I think and it's, it's just, cool because no even pressure. Gen Z actually really does like um, Snapchat, which is surprising because you would think it's like all about Instagram. But every Gen Zer I know like lives can the, on can Snapchat. Can the Gen Z uh, confirm this, please? <laughs> if you can guys are the, let us know in the. Yeah. Well, if you're listening to this podcast, let us know. But if then also Snapchat. interns, let us know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Nancy said I like Snapchat. Yeah. Apparently, yeah, they're releasing like, like a TikTok feature. To, it's easy to like, um, it's like an easier way of like texting. Like for example, like when somebody asks like your number or something, it's so much easier to like, you know, just give a Snapchat because it doesn't really like, I don't know. It's like a lot less pressure to do that. And then um, the intern, one of the interns, Nathan, just said uh, private stories are where they at. And I agree. Private stories are where it's at because you can choose exactly who you want to see it. And it's like. I don't know. I have like a fitness one and it's like a comfortable place for me to just like post or whatever and just like not really care. But I think that like, I think with all the pressure of Instagram and I just posted about this, but I was like, can we please make Instagram casual again? Because I literally looked at some pictures that were like not even bad, but I was like, these aren't like super high quality. Like the, these aren't like, you know, up to Instagram standards to post these, but I really enjoyed what I did that day. And I like actually had a lot of fun and I was really proud of myself. And I was like, I don't think that it should have to be taken on a professional camera, iPhone 12 with like all of the filters, best editing, freaking sent through Lightroom app and everything just for it to be worthy of a newsfeed. Like I enjoy it. I had a good time. I want to share that experience. That's, that's half, that's half a you issue. It's half, it is half I agree it's pressure, but half it's it's a you issue. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I don't think it's pressure. I'm just saying like the culture of the app is not casual anymore. Yeah. But there are people that still post whenever whatever they want and are casual about it. It's just that if you already have some sort of an aesthetic set or you have a standard set on your page, then I guess you would be more likely to follow it. But I mean, I don't know. A lot of the girls that I talk to, they say that like they every time they take a picture, like if you used to go out before, if you used to hang out with your friends, like you could snap a selfie and post it and they're like, I don't really feel like a selfie is worth posting anymore. Like just a selfie. Like yeah. it's not like worth posting anymore. Or yeah. if it's like a, not like a dressed up day out picture or like whatever, like moment with your friends yeah. where you that's look like a really cultural good. pressure right it's, it's not even yeah. cultural well yeah because of the algorithm like of instagram right like yeah. it they make you feel like oh these pictures get pushed to the top and get yeah. liked and this is what everyone's doing well, well it's also based on our habits like we tend to look at these pictures longer and like mm -hmm. the more highly edited ones so we'll like yeah. look at it longer maybe like it and comment it because it looks wow and so since that's pushed up everyone's like oh i need to make this and replicate it and so then that becomes part of the culture and it infects our minds. And it's the same thing as how you were saying like with the... A whole vacation. My homegirl went on a whole vacation and her husband like took some pictures and she came back and she was like, he didn't take a single good picture. Like I can't post anything. And I was, she's like, can you edit them for me to see if any of them are worthy? And I just felt so bad. I was like, 
you know, like, and I looked at the pictures, they weren't bad pictures, they were good pictures, but the idea was they weren't good enough. And it took Jeez. like, okay, I mean, editing and like sending them back. And after, at the end of the day, she was like, it's not like, not that she's overthinking it. She's just like, it just doesn't seem like it's worth posting. Yeah. When like, you were saying the whole thing about the clubhouse having a certain etiquette and culture to it, that's what I think Instagram has become subconsciously where, well, it's not, it's, it's subconscious for us, but it's purposely being done by them. You know, that one uh, social dilemma documentary kind of proved that whatever we spend more time scrolling by and looking at it, the algorithm just puts it in front of us more and then it makes us feel worse about ourselves and then live up to some sort of standard that, oh, this is what everyone is doing and this is how we're supposed to follow along. It's scary, but that's why I like Snapchat. <laughs> mm. More personable. Yeah. What else you got for us, Amber? I just, as much as I was already done with you two men when we started this podcast, I don't oh, know God. where that went the, at the beginning. I have a PSA for all the men in a specific location, which, yes, you guessed it coming from me. It is the gym. Florida. Because. Oh, sorry. Oh, oh. Uh, Florida. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> Um, but I don't know. I recently switched to a woman's gym. Um, it's a bigger gym, but within it, there's a smaller section with a woman's gym in it. And I was like, never found the reason to really go in it to like, and never even thought, oh, I would benefit from a woman's gym. So is there gym. like a bouncer? Like no guys allowed? Like <laughs> No, it's just like, you know, there's a regular gym upstairs and then you go downstairs and right next to when you leave the locker room for the women's, it's like a sneaky hallway you go in and okay so there's no way set. like guys can still like sneak and like look they in. can but what are you trying don't. to do bro <laughs> no i'm just trying to get see the scene you know yeah i'm just so trying like, to see a peek it's um I mean. not uh, hype enough for <laughs> men to be like going by like wanting to look at it okay you know what i'm saying it's not like like technically a man could walk right in so for science, like if I wanted to, you know, you could like, walk right in. But the idea would be that Yo, you would be guy. told to leave by somebody eventually. Okay. Um, and I did ask them. I was like, "What's the case where like guys can come in here? Like, what would be the reason?" Because I was wondering, like, you know, there's sometimes Muslim women who want to work out without a hijab, want to work out not in like fully clothed, like you know, like like sometimes you have to wear a lot of clothes when you're trying to cover and work out and stuff and they're like you know it's pretty much like a warning sort of when they walk in and i thought that was really cool but prior to actually joining this um i never really saw the purpose because i was like um you know a gym is a place where you work out like why do you need to do that just go work dudes out dudes are da, 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 dudes da, da, are da. the creepiest in the gym thank you and that's my exact point it wasn't until i worked out in this gym and i took a few trips back to the regular gym where i was like this is exactly why these spaces are created because it is the most uncomfortable thing. And I don't know why it's the same idea when you feel like you're being mansplained by a guy. Okay. It's like guys will constantly form check you as if they 
think they know better than you. Even if they're not verbally saying something to you, they're overwatching every single thing that you do, which is so uncomfortable because you're already in a vulnerable position when you're doing some of these workouts. Like, okay, like you're doing squats, you're doing whatever. You're already in a position where you're like, okay, the gym is a place you zone out, you're in your own mind or whatever. But then you look around or like look in the mirror and there's a guy staring at you as you're doing each thing and kind of clocking your form. And it's like, who asked you to do this? Like, are you hired by the gym? Like, what is your purpose? Who so, are you so, doing this So for? they come up to you and they're like... They'll uh, try to... I haven't Do you think they're this, like trying I've to hit on you? It. I think that guys do it as a way to like assert some sort of dominance or some sort of um, like place of knowledge for them. They're like, oh yeah, like I know how to do this properly. I can help you out. Oh, let me show you a better way to do this. Like, no, mind your business. Because you're making women feel uncomfortable by coming up to us in a place where we're trying to mind our business. We don't go in there expecting to talk. And I've seen girls who are also there by themselves working out. Literally, I kind of have more of like a aggressive demeanor, I guess. So like people aren't form checking me, but I've seen random people come up to women and be like, oh, you should try this. Like, no, you should try to mind your business. <laughs> It's so annoying, but I don't know. As as I joined the women's gym, I realized that it's way more comfortable. Um, we don't, us women, we don't look at each other when we're doing our workouts. Nobody's trying to tell each other anything. Um, you feel way less vulnerable. You can go in your own zone. And then this thing happened the other day, which really just pushed me over the edge. And I went to one of like these fancy gyms, right? These gyms that you spend like $180. I went as a guest. I was like, let me see how I like it. Maybe if I like it, you I'll just go. like gym hop. You just I do. constantly I change gym gyms. Hop. Yeah, I I just I like to try out all gyms. It's like a hop. what's the what's the like deal with Purpose? that? Yeah, I just yeah. I like to try out different gyms to see like what the culture is and like if I like a place better, then I can switch to it. Okay. I just you know I really enjoyed the culture that was at retro and that kind of like got me into the hype and the yoga studio that I had had three gems that was included in my membership. And I was like, oh, I have three free gems. Like, let me just go to them. So I started out by going to each one of those every single time I was working out, like trying out the different rooms, the different equipment. And that's how I came across a woman's gym and kind of stuck there. But if I go to a different area, I'll just go to them and be like, hey, I'm like trying out gyms. Can I work out here for the day? And they'll be like, yeah. So I get to work out at different gyms all the time. Um, What was I saying, guys? I don't know. I feel like that's a website thing. Like you could just like look at the features on the website and be like, "Oh, this has this. This has." It's that. Like no, I mean, you gotta feel it though. You gotta feel yeah. it. Yeah. Right. Like you, like, but like you don't get for the me, feeling for a gym just by looking at it. But for me, I okay. feel like you have to be at the gym for a little bit to like get mm -hmm. the feel. Okay. Like mm -hmm. I don't get used to it till like two weeks in or something. You know. Yeah, but. I mean, I had that feeling, and I went to like one of the nicest ones of the gyms that they had, and I was like, I feel so uncomfortable here. And then I went to like one of the more trashier gyms that they had, and I was like, "Wait, like, like Planet Fitness?" It was uh no, it was like out of the three gyms, there was like a really like kind of like run down, beat down version of it. But I felt the most comfortable in that environment. <laughs> I like how I like how Planet Fitness advertises themselves as like no what what do they call them jockey like, no judging zone. Oh well, yeah, no judging and like no Dude, they have jocks. Tootsie rolls, bro. And then Tootsie rolls. And then they're the most like. <laughs> douchiest people there really yeah like there's so many people that are always trying to like show off and stuff and 
Um, mm. You know, like I love the idea of a girls gym because the when I used to be little, we used to go to this one like family gym that there was a women's gym upstairs and mm. the women could work downstairs. But like, you know, some of them would go upstairs. And especially again, like for a lot of Muslim women in our community, like they would often go to the women's gym upstairs. But like at Planet Fitness, there's the same thing that are like the douchey guys who like wear like the like thong string mm-hmm. thing on their chest whatever it is i don't know um <laughs> tank tops but with absolutely no tank it's just yeah. spaghetti straps it's like a, it's like a male version of a g-string yeah um, <laughs> and then so those guys but there's the women uh that do that too so like the annoying girls that wear clothes that are similar to the guys that wear those types and they're both just trying to flex and they're both just trying to like i don't know just do the most do the most attract attention talk to everybody and that's like the ones that who like grunt during weights like oh yeah and sometimes like, they'll ask moaning yeah. out here <laughs> sometimes they'll ask for help and i'm just like i don't want to help you i know what you're doing <laughs> and it's so this one girl literally one time was like hey like can you like check my form right and she's doing a like barbell pull up a youtube video sis <laughs> i know but she had like a a little too much cleavage and i was just like bruh i'm like looking at i think emma was there with me our friend emma and he's looking at me i'm looking at him i'm like what is this and then i was like all right yeah like good luck just whatever but it's un- it's uncomfortable mm-hmm. on on that side i'm not trying to be like oh yeah like as a man like we're uncomfortable but yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> you're just saying that it was it's it's, it's it was far outweighed by the guys that do that but that's yeah. why i like it too but yeah so go you ahead you can feel that but yeah, yeah I, I went to this like fancy gym the other day and I like felt somebody staring at me for like, quite a while, like as if they were like form checking me and I was like, okay, whatever. And I just did my thing, left her alone, didn't think too much of it at the time. And then I like, you know, dapped up my friend who I was working out with and I started to walk down the stairs as I'm like almost like maybe like 50 steps away. I hear a, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, miss, excuse me. And I'm like, and I just like turn around. I like have my headphones in and stuff. And I was like, hi, like, how can I help you? It's like, oh, like I saw you working out. And I was just thinking like, you know, I just want to introduce myself. Like my name is blah, blah, blah. Like I was wondering if I could like get your number. And like at the time I just thought quick, I was like, oh, you saw my friend upstairs. Like that's my boyfriend. And just kind of like, like, you know, left it to that to like, cut the conversation short but I was like I was right like you were staring at me the whole time you literally came up to me and confirmed that you were staring at me the whole time and then you followed me afterwards all the way from a set of stairs almost to the woman's locker room to then come and ask me for my number like I next time going into that environment like that completely turned me off to that gym I was like I don't like the fact that I was being stared at and watched in detail during my workout followed and then asked like for like that's like supposed to be my safe space and i didn't feel safe in that space so i don't know when you when you switch gyms does it solve mm-hmm. or like I, it depends on who's going to that gym because i thought that this just happens uh depending on so the... i mean it happens like for example at my own normal gym right and it's a lot easier to like shake it off because it's like out of the hundred times I might go, it might only happen like a handful of times. In this situation, obviously it was the first time and then it just happened and it turned me off right away. I know that's not going to be the situation every time, but that's why I found so much peace in the woman's gym. Like I, I had already started going to the woman's gym and I had tried this out and I 
went straight back. I was like, there's a reason I feel comfortable in my environment in the women's gym. And I'm just going to stay there and do the majority of my workouts there. It's like a comfortable place for me. Yeah, so I go men, to the gym. If you're listening, stop approaching women at the gym. I go to the gym on Clubhouse now and I've never had any problems. So wow. maybe try that out. Men go only to- gym? Men only, men only rooms. <laughs> men only rooms. And we're just grunting. <laughs> that's like what I would imagine a men's only gym would be. It's just like men slamming weights around. Well, like, that's what Gold's <gasps> Gym used to be. Like Gold's Gym. Yeah, yeah. And and it actually like it's it's supposed to have that effect of like okay let's all motivate each other right. But then this is this is why what I mean by the whole women's gym thing because it's like when there's women there then a lot of these guys now they have a different purpose. And, yeah. and it's, they're just being really annoying and extra douchey. And they're like, <laughs> you know, there's, there's no point in that. Um, on that note, let's introduce our, uh, our guest for this week. Um, we were speaking about Clubhouse. This guy's very popular on Clubhouse. So, oh. yeah, with so many people recently taking interest in stocks and crypto and finances overall we thought it was only right to bring on this week's stranger to break these things down for us and tell us why it might be important for us to start investing our money money and where to invest it he's a real estate and angel investor who was formerly on wall street he's the owner and operator of commercial and neighborhood centers senior housing and assisted living and even partakes in startup investing social entrepreneurship and impact investing so i think he could be really helpful what do you think for our finances and all of that. Oh yeah. You guys ready? All right, well, please welcome this week's stranger, Suhan Junaid. Okay, Mr. 305. What's going on? You're... (laughs) You're in Miami right now, right? Um, technically, I'm in Palm Beach now, but I do live in Miami. Okay. okay. You know, a funny story. So, when we first met you, mm-hmm. well, we met in we met in Miami, mm-hmm. and we were doing a little show, if you want to call it that, but mostly just meeting um, other like creators and, and other people through the Ill Muslims um, group, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, you came off as this like super nice guy and you were, I think, what were you doing with uh, your group over there? I'm, I was one of like the, I was helping Rami kind of hosted because I was local. Okay. You're, you're part of that like Florida. Um, yeah, South Florida right? Muslim professionals. So I'm like one of the admins for that. Yeah. So like we, you were really nice. You were like, you know, let me drive you guys around and show you some places, yada, yada, yada. And then like we had this occurrence that we never forget at this brunch and so Shamir and I were just coming from a a trip from California where we just Uh blew all this money yeah very expensive oh no no that was okay we went to we went to Texas first right that was that trip yeah Texas we went to Texas with ill Muslims performed with Mickey Singh there then went to California with the boys with the boys went to San Fran LA San Diego yeah had a great time Lots of lots of uh, spending happening there, and by by now, like last few days of the trip, we're like uh, we're running low on funds because we're like we got to get back and get you know back to work and all this stuff. Then Rummy calls, who's from Ill Muslims, and he's like, "Yo, like this thing is happening in Miami. You guys got to come." And then from there, we're like, 
oh snap like we got to book these tickets like we'll go because it'll be a good opportunity so then Mm -hmm. now so then we're like okay let's just go so then we now we're in miami fast forward brunch right you show up to this brunch and you're like uh you're ordering like super nice things and we're just going along with it because we're like oh yeah like suhan like knows what he's talking about what's good whatever we're like the youngest people there probably about like a couple years was it brunch or was it late night no no it was a brunch okay (laughs) and then and then uh it's by the water there's like all these oh yeah yeah nice buildings there (laughs) and then um you know we're going with whatever you're recommending and like saying like oh this is this is mr miami like he knows what's going on and then we get our bills (laughs) oh no oh no (laughs) bro we've never we've never dropped like 20 bucks on one drink and we're like orange juice and coffee alone we're like 40 bucks and we're like all right we are with the wrong crowd right now the the lemonade was more expensive than the meal (laughs) and you were just like casually like yeah like guys it's a great spot whatever we're like yo we got to get back home now (laughs) yeah mine was a little different than maryland yeah yeah it's it's a little bit different but also like you know you and everyone there was like you guys are ballers and we are not like we were pretending to be cool, yeah. but we were, that's not our vibe. Yeah. Like we are, we are definitely not like we were, We had some catching up to do when you, when you took us to like uh, little Havana and we were eating like corn and stuff like that's our vibe. We're good with like, <laughs> we are not fancy people, but we always remember that it was a funny thing that we were just yeah. like, yeah, that was crazy. But yeah, we like, we remember, uh, you know, you, um, just being this kind of like, uh, person who who knows their way around and uh, you know can hold himself together really nicely and is taking these we follow each other on Instagram taking these flights and always like busy with um, all different types of work but like what were what was going on um, wh- while you were in Miami like how are you this going around and and uh, you know being successful I guess in this way um, during that time. Um. I guess in, in in a sense you're kind of asking me like what I do. Yeah, um, it's it's and... my it's my poor way of asking. <laughs> you know what you know when you look at somebody and you're like that trend that's on TikTok that's like, oh, what do you do for a living? But they're like in fancy cars. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's what I'm doing. I was basically letting people know that like, yo, he he casually was eating this brunch while yeah. we're like freaking out. What do you do for a living? <laughs> all right well starters like sorry if i kind of like put you in an awkward place in that brunch i didn't mean to do that sorry no, about no, no, that. No, no, no. it's an amazing story and we brought it up now so uh, we can hope we can add some uh exaggerations to make it a little funnier then but so i guess in generally um the simplest way to kind of describe like what i do is like i'm a private investor or i run an investment fund um and so we you know like i try to use my capital to invest in assets or businesses and propel them to do, um, you know, like to the next level of growth, um, become more organized, more professional, um, you know, take a different angle on things. And then I'm in a position where, you know, I don't have to make investments primarily for returns. I can also like today I spoke to a female founder. She's doing essentially like um, dry bar, but for colored women who tend sometimes have curlier, coarser hair. And this is not gonna be like a venture kind of return, but you know, like we're probably gonna back her um, solely because I think, um, well, it, it is a good business, just it doesn't fit the profile of like a venture kind of kind of return, 
but at the same time, you know, she's going to have a model that's going to spur. So she's going to be like one big entrepreneur, but she's going to spur a lot of like little entrepreneurs who will own salons through her franchise or through some kind of like co-ownership model. And they'll primarily be women of color, will really primarily be like black women. Um, so, you know, like that's one way for me to try to, you know, institute change in the world. Um, you know, I've come to realize like, I'm not an organizer, I'm not a politician, like my skill set's in finance, it's in capital markets. Um, so like, however I leverage that, you know, whether I do like make returns and wealth for myself, or that's also how I kind of try to change the world um, because that's kind of where my skill sets are. Uh, yeah. But roundabout, essentially it's a, uh, you know, I, you know, I'm an investor, uh, run a small investment fund and I got to this initially by being an investment maker on Wall Street that for about eight years closed around 20 billion transactions, obviously as a team, uh, on a team, not like myself, um, you know, and then, you know, started off primarily in real estate and then expanded into like angel venture investing um, and do a couple of things now from, you know, real estate and venture investing, obviously like public equities, public equities is like stocks or stonks, yeah, <laughs> uh, crypto and all that stuff. No, I definitely, I want to get into um, the details of all of that, but right off the bat, I think that that, all of what you just said comes off really intimidating to many mm -hmm. people because mm -hmm. there's these fancy words of saying like, I work with money and moving money in particular ways. And I think especially nowadays, you know, um, we've, we've seen a, we've seen an increase in like the interest uh, in people because of that whole GameStop situation and maybe just like overall us being in this economy with the pandemic yeah um, covid of of people taking interest in like should i be investing my money somewhere or like how do i deal with my money and so like first of all like are you are you excited as somebody who's in finances to be seeing this um recent you know rise in interest with especially like young people does that excite you as as somebody who knows this game okay um so i guess first off like the way you describe that finance as moving money is actually a pretty good metaphor. Um, another metaphor, like way I phrase it is like finance as a business is about taking people who have money and then pairing in people who need money and then creating a little spread in between for yourself. I literally just now, freestyled that. So that's, that's really <laughs> nice to hear. <laughs> yeah, that was great. And then, um, yeah, I'm actually really excited that people are interested in finance, in investing, you know, and whatever, like, like however you want to express that, either through trading stocks, cryptocurrencies, all of those things come with a certain bit of risk. Um, real estate, private companies, um, all those things come with their own inherent risk. And so people should be aware of that. Um, quick note is I'm not going to provide investment advice. I have to say that. Um, but I'm actually really excited because I think when you start to focus on money uh, and money flows, you get to really realize how interconnected the world is in how certain things tie together. And one point in particular like, I want to bring up is like, you know, if you look at the war, like in the Middle East with Syria and, you know, like with the rise of ISIS, it looks really peculiar as like who's on what side um, until you realize there's a pipeline being built that initially from Iran through Syria into Crimea, Crimea and into Russia. And then the UAE just trying to divert that and build a pipeline instead through Syria to the, uh, I forget which sea, so that it could be shipped to Europe. 
Um, so what you're saying yeah, is there's there's an interest in money and yeah. not as much in any sort of political or religious reasons. Yeah. And I think like if you look at every like, for instance, like Palestine, actually, the West Bank is the most fertile land in the world for, for agriculture. So like, could that be a possible motivation oh, for, snap. you know, like, wow. yeah. Um, so there, there's a lot of like intricacies about that, that you get to realize, like when you like when I was on Wall Street, seeing, you know, money flows and you're like, whoa, this is so weird. Like, like who's investing in what? Why are these people business partners that reveals, you know, a potential story behind the geopolitics of things? And then also, I think the best way, I mean, also, obviously I'm biased because I'm in, the, in finance. So kind of needs to change. Like, I remember like, you know. Like I was actually on the street when Occupy Wall Street was going on, which was slightly comical to me because all the banks were in Midtown New York and all they were all downtown and there's like literally no one there. Um, and, you know, in my eyes, they didn't get a lot of change. But when a bunch of Bank of America customers started protesting, um, I think it was like 18 withdrawal fees or like the check cashing fee, some kind of fees. It took like six days and Bank of America reversed the decision because so many people were starting to pull account, pull out their accounts. Um, so I lo- like I love activism that's backed by, um, you know, voting with your wallet. Like if you really believe in animal rights, like, you know, consume meat that is, um, you know, raised ethically, um, slaughtered ethically. Um, and that way you actually direct profits to those companies in that way. And you encourage them to actually do those activities. Like um, I don't like, you know, I worry a lot about climate change. So. I'm trying to switch as much as possible to EVs or non-fossil fuel uh, providers. And, you know, it's going to show up because ExxonMobil is going to make a little bit less money. And if enough mm-hmm. of us do that, they'll make a lot less money. And they themselves, without need for like legislation, um, will start shifting their own activities. Legislation obviously has its place. And, you know, there are res- limits on like what you can do through that because... You know, if there's four like four companies and it's an oligopoly in the marketplace, you can only buy from these four people. Um, so, uh, you know, but it's obviously all within context. Yeah. So what you're saying is like people like at their homes have a lot of power, like when it involves like, you know, making change and like it all sur- surrounds itself around money. Yeah, I think that's one way to easily be vocal about what, you know, and it's an easy way to band together because, yeah. you know, like with like, you know, what was happening the last summer with police brutality, um, you know, you, you could go out and protest it that way. Um, but the other way is also like to cut funding. Like I'm actually like a really big proponent of like, you know, de- um, defunding the police movement because I kind of think that like the police unions are just so powerful. Like we're never going to like, like legislate our way out of that because they just have too much power. So let's just cut their paycheck, like remove yeah. their funds. It, uh, also, um, recently, the Wall Street uh, bets, whole thing, GameStop, all that, is is that another example of like how the people are starting to have a lot more power with you know investing and our personal finances and changing how these companies move? Yeah, I think that was really interesting, and it's funny to me because you know having seen Occupy Wall Street and now Wall Street bets, getting back at Wall Street has evolved from picketing outside to actually hitting them where it hurts. So do you guys want to dive into like kind of what happened with like GME in particular? Um, and like what the market mechanisms were? Sure. I think, I think also like, um, I want to point out that, um, you know, there's, there's people that are in finances that I was just in this, uh, clubhouse 
um, topic yesterday. I was just telling them about it earlier um, where they were kind of like bringing people on stage. And then if someone had a question, sometimes they would be like, oh, if you're financially illiterate, that's on you. Like we're talking about whatever, right? And it's always felt like there's people who understand whether it be the stock market and then there's people that don't. You're somebody mm-hmm. who worked on Wall Street. Like, what is it that we don't get that that's the divide? And, you know, we can we can transition eventually into that GME topic where why people have that problem of, oh, these aren't real investors. These are just people who are trying to, you know, get in on some money versus what goes on on Wall Street. Like, what did you notice through your experience of the divide between that? Sure. That um like that's like that the viewpoint you brought up from those people in the clubhouse like um that's really unfortunate because those for lack of a better term there's a bunch of a-holes um because there is a lack of financial literacy in you know like the u.s actually globally for that matter because like financiers you know like the people i used to work with have like just made the system so complex um and don't do a good job of explaining it because it's not to their benefit like the more complex it is the more they can charge for, so they can explain it. It's kind of like taxes and accounting and things like that. But also, but it also- feels like that on a on a large scale. Like this is on a small clubhouse thing. But it feels like that yeah. on a large scale. Even when someone like Bernie Sanders is out here forever saying like the billionaires versus everybody, and like you know the mm-hmm. sm- those tiny one percent are doing this and that. So it's a very real thing. But you know, keep keep going into it about like you know what that divide is. Yeah, well, that divide exists really almost in any profession. Um, the difference is finance is something that's so pervasive, right? Like from like the day you're born, like you have an like you co- like a baby costs something to raise, right? Into child's like education, food. So th- that's like the difference I think with why like being financially literate it's so much worse than being like medically illiterate, for instance, right? Like. You know, we all go see our doctors. We don't always know what that means. We just, uh, we kind of take their advice, maybe get a second opinion, run it by another friend who might be a doctor. Um, it's just, so like that kind of divide between the professionals, the people who went to school for stuff, who are licensed. Like, you know, like when you have a plumber come over, you never know like what's actually going on. He's running a camera down there, maybe a snake. And then he yeah, tells like, you all do, this. Do your thing, man. Do your thing. <laughs> yeah, like it, it, like that 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 is is a part of any professional versus non professional. It's just much worse in finance because finance encompasses everything, right? Like you, like students don't encompass like uh, or encounter clogged toilets typically until they own, become a homeowner, but they do encounter checking accounts, student debt. Um, you know, so it, you encounter finance much earlier on. And it's a much greater impact on your life than most other professions are. Yeah. And like on that point, if you have a clogged toilet, you can hire somebody to take care of that. And then it's no longer a problem. And if it happens, you know, 10 more times, it's fine because you can get that taken care of. But like if you don't know how to set up a certain system for your income or how you invest in things or how to to balance and, and, you know, take care of your money. That's for life. Yeah. And I think the cool thing also is I think we're getting smarter at ab- about our finances. Like I think before the model was like, hey, you just work and then you spend that money. And I think at an earlier age, we're learning that, hey, you can like put this money somewhere where it can actually grow 
like, you know, a stock or a cryptocurrency or whatever, or real estate. And I think at a younger age, everyone's realizing that. And I think, you know, the internet helps with that and all these conversations. So, I mean, it's interesting where this finance knowledge is going. Yeah. And there's also been a, a pretty decent movement, both on the innovative side, say like tokenization, cryptocurrencies, and on the legislative side, like a jobs act to make finance more accessible to people. So you can invest in real estate, private companies with smaller dollar values. Because previously you had to be like an accredited investor, which means you have to have an X amount of net worth to qualify to invest in certain kinds of things. Now through tech and laws, um, you know, that we've created avenues for people to invest in, um, you know, be it real estate, private companies, crypto, stocks like Robinhood. Although like, I think the CEO is kind of like somewhat playing his customers. He did democratize like stock investing and allowed small individuals to get in the game um, and, you know, reap the benefits like with GME. Yeah. It's also interesting that um, if somebody is in like, even though it's it's at a level where like, you know, anybody can really get in on it if they have a, a cell phone and a bank account or whatever. But like people in low income neighborhoods, like this is the last thing that they're caring about, even if it could potentially help them out. It's just like a lot of people that just need, you know, food and water and just like shelter. uh, They don't care for that, for like investing in stocks. Like it's not even something that's going to cross their minds. But like let's let's get into that, because uh, one of one of the questions that like um, Niyati, who, who works with us, had was like funny and innocent, but like also I feel like a lot of people have this question. She was like, is the stock market even real? Like what, how does it, to to the most basic way, like what can you say about how the stock market works? Hmm. Um, let, so let's start at the origination of securities. Securities are different types of like, paper that represent an interest in a business or whatever. Um, so let's start there because then we can explain kind of like the market and then the stock market. So security, like as an investment banker, what I did was actually like not like we can make it comparable to like a manufacturing company. If you think of a manufacturer, a manufacturer produces a product en masse, hires a sales force, like a distributor who then sells it place it in a store like Walmart, who's a retailer who gets it out to consumers. As an investment banker, my job, part of my job at least, was to talk to companies who want to go public, like Google went public, Facebook went public, um, Snapchat went public. So public like so these... people can, inv- from the public yes, can exactly. invest. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's a Kitchener egg. So once I get to the end, it'll make sense at the beginning too. Yeah. Um, so it was to talk to companies, say like Snapchat, and say, hey, listen, like, do you want to sell shares to the public? They'll be, they would say, once they decide yes, we had a sales force that would distribute it to institutional investors, which would be analogous to like Walmart, who then, um, and at some point, like those guys would sell it to retail investors. So it works just like that. Now, the same way like you can buy, go to uh, you know Walmart to buy like a certain product, you can buy it on Amazon, or you can even go on Alibaba, order direct from China, but you order it in bulk, that's kind of like what the stock market is. So whatever company wants to be public, um, you know, have shares traded, 
um, you know, we'll hire a bank to get them on, uh, get their share listed onto an exchange. And an exchange is just a marketplace where you can go that's like Amazon, that's like Walmart, like Alibaba. Um, and that's an evolution from, like, the reason why Wall Street is called Wall Street is because it used to be, like, a couple of Dutch dudes hanging out outside the wall in New York, in, uh, I forget what the colony of New, York, New Amsterdam. Um, so that's, like, they used to hang out outside the wall and trade shares literally between themselves, and it was a physical market. Uh, like that's on why paper. it's called Wall Street. Yeah, on paper. Wow. Um, and then now it's become digitized, and then it's going to be, I think in the future, it's going to be tokenized on the blockchain, too. Um but so the stock market just really just if you think of like a bazaar, it's where you can go to, you know, buy interest in various public companies or sell interest in uh, public companies that you already own. Public companies are companies that have gone through the hoops with the government, with accounting firms to be able to legally sell small investors piece of their ownership versus a company like, well, Uber, like Uber was a private company held by a certain group of insiders, one percenters essentially, who then went through those hurdles to list their shares and then sell those shares to like, you know, people like you and I. Mm. So we actually own a piece of this company and we can trade it with somebody else who is participating in this market. Yeah, exactly. I think there's another dumb quote unquote question. It's not dumb, but like, um, why can't someone just like, say the value of this share or something is like 10 times more or 10 times less and like people just believe it and then it shares or whatever well you can actually um and one thing let's let's go back to our example like amazon versus like let's say you are looking to buy i don't know like a printer you can go to amazon and you can see a listed price for it or you can go to best buy i imagine best buy is going to cost more right so Best Buy might try to sell it to you for 10 times more because they say, hey, you can buy it here and now, Amazon two-day delivery, but it's one-tenth the price. So you can go to either person. Most people will go to Amazon and buy it at a lower price. So similarly, if you have a stock, if you own a share of like, I don't know, like Facebook, you can actually list it for sale for whatever you want. But so many other people are listing other shares, like their own shares of Facebook for sale. Like most people are going to buy... A share of who wants a share of Facebook are gonna go to the lower price versus to like this one thing that's like 10x. Mm. Jimmy was the one, it was a not one, but like a unique example where someone posted across a bunch of message boards, you know, Jimmy's the moon, don't sell before a thousand. And everyone was like, all right, we're not gonna sell before a thousand. And that's when the price skyrocketed. And isn't that typically like something that you don't do? Where like, you know, I remember Elon would tweet about his own company and stuff. And then the stocks you would literally see changing. And uh -huh. I remember he got warnings of some kind that like you can't tamper with, you know, the way that people invest their money. Is that true? Yeah, so those are, I mean, you're touching on a couple of things, like some of them inside trading laws, market manipulation. Um, so you were talking about your own, doing that to your own stock. He's the CEO of Tesla, a major shareholder. That's always gonna be like, in any ver like form, essentially like a no, like you can't go hype your stock out other than through like certain channels. Now with GME, it was a little different because no one was the was an officer of GME. No one was a major shareholder. So it's a little different. So because there's a test involved, like whereas like, you know, if you're a major hedge fund and you try to like pump news out and manipulate the share price, you can actually do it. 
if you're like one person posting on a message board, if you it, like the courts are kind of going to be like, no, nah, that's some guy on a message board. Now it gets a little gray here because before we didn't have things like viral, like people weren't going viral, right? Like there's no social media. Um, so like now we have to figure out a question and then from the way it's go, like we have to see how the hearings go. Um, like Vlad, the CEO of Robinhood and a couple other people are, you know, in congressional hearings in GME right now. Um, so we'll, we'll, that part is going to be figured out, but, but yeah, like you couldn't do certain things, particularly if you're involved in the company, like a major owner or an officer. But if you weren't, they're kind of just like, you're just some guy like heckling stock, like, yeah. you know, so it's the the frustrating part is that people that you know wanted to try to understand how stocks work this year and they saw this you know they heard about okay GameStop there's this hype around it everyone feels collectively that we can invest in this thing um, and we'll make some money off of it and so people did that and they were hoping for a return because it looked like it was going to continue to get talked about. It was going to rise. Then all of a sudden, you pointed out hedge funds who are essentially what? People that bet for a stock to go down, right? To hit up a or down. Up or down, okay. And so they bet um, for it to hit that mark, and then they make money off of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so these hedge funds, um, they were basically a bunch of people on Reddit that were like, screw these guys. Screw rich people, basically. Let's all go in on this dying stock um, and, and collectively make money on it, right? And then, um, okay, go ahead. So, Cor- uh, correct me. Uh, l- 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 like, this is the version of the story or how I see it, particularly from, like, sitting in both kind of spheres as a former bank, like, formerly on Wall Street, and then now, like, as just a person. Um, so GameStop, you know, like, you remember from back in the day, they don't have like um th- like you know with um both covid and their business model it was kind of a dying business most games now are downloaded direct onto your console be it xbox playstation or a pc no one's really buying cartridges xbox or sorry gamestop made most of their money actually on used games not even new games like they would buy a game for me for like two bucks sell it to you for like 15 bucks <laughs> um, scam us all <laughs> right um how the turntables so, yeah so and then um and then when you add in covid was the fact that like no one could even do that you're like all right this company's not gonna survive the hedge funds all saw this and they were like all right this company's go bankrupt they did something called short selling which is where they buy, borrow securities from someone who owns it sell it in the market hoping the price goes down and when it goes down they're going to buy it here and then return it back to the person they borrowed them from. Do we get how short selling works now? Yeah. But here's the problem that, like, GME is not, like, GameStop is not a huge company. I figure it's like a few hundred million dollars market cap. At some point, because of the systems and the control are, like, not super tight, someone, like, the, all the fetch funds that collectively shorted 140% of all the shares outstanding, what's called a float. So more GME. money than there was even in. More shares than More there shares. was even available. The guys on Wall Street Bets all saw this and they were like, well, this is what's going to cause a short squeeze, which is when people go, like those hedge funds who are short GME are going to go to buy these shares. There's not enough shares available. So they're going to have to bid against each other and raise the price. 
And the funny thing is, like, hedge fund guys do this to each other all the time. The most famous short squeeze is called Herbalife. It was Bill Ackerman who was short Herbalife and Carl Icahn who tried to screw Bill Ackerman and buy up the shares. Um, so this goes on a lot. Like, I've, I've been in some of these situations myself, like, as a banker representing, like, a bigger investor or a company, either pre- trying to prevent a short squeeze or, like, uh, you know, like, acting to sell it. The, the the difference now was that like I think people were involved and I think the hedge funds did get a little cocky and elitist and they're like who the hell are these guys on Wall Street bets so what Wall Street bets was actually ex- looking into a fundamental flaw was the fact that there was 140% of the shares shorted by the hedge funds yeah well along with that you know again like where I was going with it was that it, it was frustrating because finally people got in on it. And then like, if you're on the Robin hood app or any of these apps that were like, you know, um, uh, I guess they put a limit or they, or they stopped prevented you from mm-hmm. being able to buy anymore. You could only sell. It was like, Oh, so it's not really a free market then because, um, right when we try to make money, like the people, then we're stopped again by these rich folks or these hedge funds, whoever's behind it, um, because it doesn't sit right with them and they're going to lose a lot of money and we're going to make a lot of money. And what, what is your understanding of like, you know, what really goes down in a situation like that? I mean, is this the first time that something like this has happened in history where... Yeah. And is it as free as people think it is? Yeah. Okay, um... So let's split that into two parts. First, like for instance, like I had zero money invested in GME uh, because my rule of thumb is like if I don't get it, I'm not gonna invest in it. Um, so I had I saw what was happening. What do you mean by that? Like if you don't believe in it, or if you don't? No, if I don't understand it. Okay. Like for a very long time, I was an investor in Bitcoin until I understood it, and now I'm invested in Bitcoin, Ethereum, and some other stuff. Um, so if I don't understand it, I don't invest in it because. I don't know when to get in. I don't know when to get it out. I don't know what's going on. With Jimmy, I'd heard about this, didn't get a time to look into it. Um, had I known about it, I would have probably because um, fundamentally it makes sense what Wall Street Bats guys were saying was that, hey, this is a short situation. We can actually, there should be a squeeze. Like Jimmy going from like like 10 bucks to like 400 is weird, but Jimmy should could have gone from 10 to 20. Um, now, the second part of that is, is the market fair? Um, and was there any manipulation by Robin Hood? And I was speaking actually in the clubhouse room about that. The whole situation is like really funny to me. Um, without going into any kind of particulars, trying to explain what clearing and the trust company, DTCC are. But basically, there was a lot of irregularities that I saw, particularly having spent time on Wall Street, where I was just like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, margin calls don't happen like this. Margin calls typically go through. Margin calls basically the reason, like um, what they were saying, the Robinhood CEO was saying. If you listen to the testimony today, and what he was saying before was that Robinhood basically let a bunch of its customers borrow money to buy GME, and because GME was becoming so volatile, the price was going up and down so much, it created a lot of risk for them. So they actually had to call back those shares. Typically, you would just say like, "Hey, can you deposit money to buy us out of the loan, or I'm going to sell your stock." But they didn't do that. They only let you sell your stock, which is really weird. So basically, um, not to dive into like too much into that, 
uh, unless you guys want to. But there's a lot of like irregularities I saw, like Robinhood, Ameritrade, Interactive Brokers, a lot of like smaller brokerage firms, like or brokerage firms that cater to small investors doing. And I was just like, something's really fishy about this, um, and it doesn't sound right. Um, and it's not just about like hedge fund shorting, but also, for instance, like. Robinhood um, doesn't charge people to invest, like commissions, like typical brokerages like TD Ameritrade or something like that. The reason is because they're first pairing trades within their customers, but also selling trade flow like to um, bigger funds. One of them is Citadel. Citadel was indirectly one of the funds, or Citadel owns another hedge fund that was short the shares of GME. So it's, you know, like in the context of all this stuff and the tech we use, be it social media or something else, it's it, you, we should all be cognizant of like, how is this company making money if they're not charging me? Because if you're not paying for the product, there's probably a good chance you are the product. So this whole situation with GameStop, mm-hmm. I don't think is the best example for many of us who first wanted to start learning about what what the stock market is, how it works, and why you should invest, right? Like, but it got people interested. A, it got people interested, yeah. But like hearing that uh, of these like techniques, like short squeezing and and whatever else, like um, I think yeah, I, this is like a horrendous place to begin. That's what I'm yeah. saying. So like again, going back to like what I was mentioning about like those, you know, people that are in um, in in uh, the low income of society. Do you think like that everyone should take interest in stocks? Like no matter where they are financially? Um, I think everyone should take an interest in their personal financial situation, finance in general. That may not specifically be stocks because, you know, if what you're asking me essentially is like, can someone change their life circumstance by investing in stocks? Potentially. But the honest answer is like, no, like we need a livable wage, maybe UBI, healthcare coverage. Like there's like way more things that, you know, people particularly on, you know, who are the least fortunate of us have to get through for stocks to really have an impact in life, right? Like if you're, borrowing money every month like you there's no possible way like for you to have money to invest in the stock market there's you know like um for everyone who wants to actually invest you know like my advice is always like um you know we can also dive into some of the resources that i think are helpful um but first is like kind of fix up your personal finance situation um and i'm switching between finance and finance because one's a noun one's a verb and learned that on wall street um uh, or sorry now you're saying finance and finance yeah, so finance is a noun. Finance is a verb. Something I learned in English, even before I got to Wall Street. Just okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a French word, which is why it's weird. <laughs> yeah, um, but anyhow, so to you know, to like to be in like to actually invest, whether it's in stocks, real estate, cryptocurrency, you need to have a certain financial position in life where you're creating excess money after you pay all your bills. So there's a whole bunch of work that has to get done before that, like having certain money set aside, making sure you cover all your bills. And there's a bunch of structural problems that our society has that a lot of people deal with, with, you know, like their wages being too low, rent being too high, healthcare costs, 
um, you know, like most of our bankruptcies in the U.S. like are related to like medical surprises, right? Um, so like that stuff has to get cleaned up before they can start investing. And then, you know, the, I think actually the best book ever written on how to learn about investing is Investing for Dummies. They do a great job of breaking everything down, going through even different account types, what's best for you. Because there are certain laws that can help investors, um, certain laws to make to stay clear of, um, and they go through all of that. They'll go through also like what types of investments you want to make. Do you want to be in stocks? Do you want to be in real estate? Uh, I haven't read the new edition of it. I'm hoping they got into cryptocurrency too. Yeah. When when you're little, um, mm-hmm. you hear about certain families that, you know, uh, the kids will be told, you know, you get a job, start putting your money here, like in this savings account, and then start looking at this, start looking at that, right? Say no matter no matter like, you know, where sort of your family background is, but you're getting some sort of steady income. You're, you're going towards, all right, school, I'm going to get a job. What do you think, like you, you talked about, like there's certain resources and stuff. What are the main things uh, financially you think in your, in your knowledge and experience, like as a young person, you should start looking into or putting your money towards like some basic things? I mean, the number one thing is realizing that like, like it's easier to make, make more money than it is to like cut your expenses. Like it's easier to be cut, like learn a new skill set or work more hours than trying to cut like your rent. Um, Cause certain things are like under your control and certain things are in your control. Like what you do is definitely under your control. So you working harder, you working smarter, you adding new skill sets under your control. What landlords charge for rent, a little bit harder. Now, obviously, you can do things like move from New York to Florida and, or, you know, move from like more expensive places to leave, like lower cost of living places to kind of like hack that. But that's not all, like usually feasible. Like people are tied down either for like family ties, work, school, whatever. Um, so getting control of that and understanding that they're the investment that pays off every time is the investment in yourself. Mm. that's bars (laughs) so yeah like you hear um i guess another frustrating part is like you you know the the rich get richer right when they put their money into certain things early on and then it ends up paying off in the long term and a lot of people are trying to get the quick buck and what you're saying is like okay if you invest in yourself just by learning more rather than just trying to um Find quick and easy ways to make more money. Yeah. Well, let's look at all what every resource everyone has. Bill Gates' kids, Jeff Bezos' kids, they have hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars. Don't try to compete with them on money because they have way more of it. Like, certain people are gifted physically, they're athletes. Don't try to compete with them. One thing that everyone has, the exact same amount of doesn't change, is time. So that's where you can compete. Being better at managing your time, being... Earning more per hour, those things is where you can compete. So if you look at like, you know, like when you make investments, being invested for a longer period of time makes you way more money than actually just making all, being invested for a shorter period of time, but having higher returns. Mm-hmm. Um, Albert Einstein, who is not a finance guy, said compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. interesting. I, I think I did read somewhere also like what you were saying, like 
the more time you are in the market, you make a lot more money. And I think people, especially with like GameStop, they see these opportunities and they're like, oh, let me just put my money here. Um, and maybe I'll see, you know, $100, $2,000 tomorrow. But what you're saying is like more steady, more flowing investing um, has a better return for you in the future. Yeah, because we don't have like the discipline to manage through the ups and downs. Like GameStop might like, you know, like if you invested in Google, like, or if you invested in Facebook, right? Yeah. Facebook, right after it went public, tanked. It went from like 20 bucks a share to like, I think like $6. And now it's like, uh, I think it's like a hundred plus dollars a share right now. Um, it's definitely consistently grown market cap. You know, the company's grown. So we don't have the like emotion wherewithal to manage through that. And also, you know, like we're going back to like, do you want to compete with a professional football player in football? Similarly, the guys on Wall Street, they're PhD quants who make like very large sums of money to do this. Do you think you can beat them? <laughs> I mean, sometimes, yeah, it does yeah. happen. Um, Wall Street bets prove they can be done. Yeah. But the probability is like, no, like, and also like, like, that's not like, that's not your day job, right? Like, that's their day job. They do it for 80 hours a week. Yeah. Like, my day job is different. Like, I don't even actively invest in like trade stocks. I take specific bets, like when I, or specific trades, just say like when I have an idea or, uh, mm -hmm. you know, learn something new. But I trade mostly passively through ETFs and um, things like that. So yeah. like, I know where to compete. And like, my skill set in, in even within finance is in the private realm of like real estate, venture investments, like private investments. Yeah. Um, so, so like, you know, I, like I stay focused on like what I know I can do well and I just keep getting better at it. And the better I get at it, the people, you know, more people want to pay me more to, to do it. And in turn, well, it feels good. So it becomes passion. When I started, I like started investing recently. And mm -hmm. for me, I didn't want to be that guy that checked stocks every single day being scared of my money. Like that was the one guy I didn't want to be because I would see my friends. They would like check stocks every day, waste like hours, not waste, but like spend hours on these stocks being scared. Am I going to lose money? Am I going to gain money? So for me, it was very important that like maybe there's a smarter way to like maybe just put money in and see like a long term investment or like mm -hmm. put money in companies where I actually use or believe in. Um, and that are doing well and are on the uprise. So that's how like I kind of went into it. And I think that because I'm also like an emotional person. So I'm like, if mm -hmm. I see like my money going down or something, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm wasting it. Like um, I could have, you know, you know, spent it in my business or spent it on this. Like, um, but seeing that, you know, trying to make like safe investments, I think was very important for me. And yeah. Is that a good way to look at it? Yeah, that's actually exactly how I look at it, right? Like, like I do investments that are kind of long dated. I have some investments that, you know, I want to hold for like a few months, some for a few years, some that I'll, I just set it and, and completely forget about it. Um, you know, there's some stats like you can go into about how basically the stock market is only up like a very small fraction of days a year. So the key thing is actually to make sure you're invested on the right day. So if you, for instance, are invested on I think like the first like the seven best performing days of the stock market in a year, you probably have like eighty percent of the annual returns. There's no way to predict those seven best days, so you must just be invested all year. Um, and you know if you think of it like also like a practical example, like even if you're making say like fifteen bucks an hour as like I don't know working at some restaurant, like you could spend four hours a week checking your stocks, 
or you can spend four hours a week, work, work four extra hours, make $60, and then reinvest that, and then just keep doing that every week. And then, you know, ultimately your portfolio would do better. So if you are somebody who wants to, you know, give this thing a shot, uh, you don't have a lot of experience, you're trying to, you know, get as much knowledge as you can, what are some safe ways to get started and ways to approach, uh, you know, investing in your first couple stocks? So um, first thing is, although I, you know, we talked about like making more money and then versus trying to control expenses, control expenses is a great way to like make sure you don't have any leakage. So first, the most expensive thing usually when it comes to investing is taxes. So an easy way to avoid taxes, you invest in an IRA or if you work for a big company that has a 401k. So, you know, some kind of like tax advantage system. The dummies book goes through a bunch of account types that'll do that. And then next is, if you trade a lot, you're gonna have a lot of commission costs. I don't, so I limit my trading and I invest mostly through ETFs, which have lower costs than say like most other mutual funds. Um, so starting there, and then um, I think the other place is also just making sure you have a good foundation. Um, no one ever has, like you don't want to, you don't need to have like all the answers for everything. Like you don't need to know what a short squeeze is, how to trade options. Um, so keep it simple, but build a foundation. Um, you know, re- listen to a couple podcasts, read a couple blogs. It doesn't need to be extensive. Just get an idea of like, so you understand what the lingo is. And more importantly, um, have the foundations of that. Like if something comes across that you don't understand, you know where to go look. Because there's a difference between like knowing what you don't know and then not knowing what you don't know at all. Yeah. So like what are what are some of the things that like is, is it um, like blogs? Um, is there certain um, like are, are you keeping up with it on like the same way that we're all keeping up with news and stuff through like social media and stuff? Or are there special places that people go to keep up with uh, news about stocks and where to invest and all that? Yeah, I mean, just the same way there is, for instance, like <sighs> magazines, blogs and things that are specific to like. I don't know, like whatever in, like interest someone might have. Um, for some odd reason, the only magazine I can think of right now is Seventeen. Um, like Seventeen, like tar- initially started targeting teenage girls, but now it's just like politics. But like, you know, they have like a niche, right? Similarly, like Bloomberg, Barron's, The Wall Street Journal, their niche is financial news. Um, so that's a good place to start. Um, but, you know, like the Dummies book I mentioned, but, you know, like... Don't you don't need to buy like a ton of books? Go to the library; those still th- those things still exist. <laughs> Check them out for free. Read through a couple stuff. Um, you know, figure out the book you like the most that you think can be a reference. For me, it was Investing for Dummies. That's why I bought that book. Reread it, highlighted it, flagged it, and now like when I um, and then from there, like once I got the foundation, like essentially learning how to read in a way, like financial literacy, I graduated to like blogs because. People there can get a little bit more like specific and esoteric and whatever. Um, and then you'll find there's um, s- some people who, um, you know, like will talk about generally like how to invest, specific ideas, just get a really good handle on how they make money, um, figure it out because, you know, are they selling you a, like an idea because they want you to buy a newsletter or they were they hired by some other guy to like hype a stock? Like that can happen too. Um, and it's all in the disclosures, but. You know, like, just keep in mind that, like, people in the internet, some people are doing it for clout, some, which not, maybe, maybe good, maybe bad. Some people are doing it for, you know, t- to make money. Like, figure out what their motivations are um, before you get into that. 
and then you know just have a diverse like like sources of, of info so that you can get multiple sides now i keep hearing a lot of people saying bitcoin is the next thing we need to drop everything and put our money into bitcoin because this is going to be the yeah. social current the the currency of the future and money's going to be useless and also dogecoin <laughs> yeah, so so let's start oh off God, with Dogecoin. <laughs> let's start off with 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 the concept of cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. Um, is it is it important to start getting in on it? Like, how does it work? Again, is it a real thing? So cryptocurrency is actually like step two. You let's start at step one, which is blockchain. That's okay. what underlie is the underlying technology behind all these cryptocurrencies. So um, blockchain is an open ledger system that basically records transactions publicly, everyone can see it. There's specific computer code and algorithms behind various types of blockchains that um, do the recording, the locking and whatnot, um, which makes one better than the other, secure, um, and so on and so forth. And where does a blockchain exist? Uh, in the internet. <laughs> is it like, is it controlled by someone? Is it in one specific location or is it just everywhere? Like, um, So this goes back to that question about is the stock market real? You can ask the same thing. Is Bitcoin real? Is blockchain real? Yeah. So blockchain, the ones we're talking about specifically right now are public domain blockchains that are housed on multiple computers and servers so that it is uncontrolled. And that's the whole point of like cryptocurrencies is that it's hosted on multiple places. So if you're like a Bitcoin miner, what you're actually doing is hosting part of the mm -hmm. Bitcoin ledger. If you're mining Ethereum, you're hosting part of the Ethereum ledger and you're being paid to do it, which is how, like why you get money from mining. Okay, um, so these are all like kind of mini banks that all connect to in like a, sense. a large bank. Yeah. Okay. So if you think of our Federal Reserve System, that's also a blockchain, but it's a closed blockchain. Every time you make a write a check, pay a money, a um, basically an entry gets made in your bank account if either you're depositing or you're taking out money. The difference is that like the Federal Reserve System is a closed blockchain. It's closed first within you and the bank. Like if you use Chase, Chase has its own closed blockchain which then it transfers onto the Federal Reserve blockchain, which itself is closed so that no one else can see it. Bitcoin is open, but anonymous. So you, you know like where not everything's going, but like, you know. You know exactly where it's going, you just know who that is. Okay. Bitcoin comes along and to my, you know, people say like, <laughs> In that same group uh, of Clubhouse, people were like, do you believe in Bitcoin? Like, that was like the first question as if like, you know, you must believe before you can speak about, you know, this thing. My, my, like, whatever I decided to believe was that somebody came along and decided that Bitcoin is going to be a thing. And now it has this value and, you know, ultimately grew to, to have this crazy amount of importance. But am I am I wrong in thinking that like that someone just decided that this is going to be a thing and then it became a thing? Um, yes and no. Things only have value because we say they does. Like, why is gold valuable? There are some very... because it's shiny. Because <laughs> I can yeah, hold well, it and it looks good. And gold also has some really important manufacturing characteristics. Gold conducts 
Um, like electricity a certain way, so there's also some inherent characteristics, right? Diamonds, same thing. They're essentially almost indestructible. Diamonds can be made so sharp that they can cut viruses in half. Um, yeah, what so, does Bitcoin do that's equivalent <laughs> to that? That's smart my contracts. Issue. What is it? So I said smart contracts, which is one thing Bitcoin does. Um, so Bitcoin, to a certain point, has value because millions of people on Earth said they have value. Kind of like the tulip thing that happened back in the day in the, in the, in, in Amsterdam. Um, tulips became really expensive because everyone thought tulips had a lot in value, and then one day it popped. But Bitcoin has value now because a lot of people say it has value. The, does it have intrinsic value? Intrinsic meaning like, can you use Bitcoin to do something? And it's, yeah. Um, if people are using Bitcoin as a payment system, then yeah, like it has value, right? Like... Uh, how much is arguable now the flip side of that that technology for bitcoin bitcoin's blockchain can now be used to do things that previously government blockchains were doing essentially like in the u.s if you buy a house you sign a paper agreement called the contract and it's enforceable by courts um, blockchain allows you to do all that digitally and it lets you do that without any interference you guys can enter into a transaction on the blockchain, code in the specifics, and it could be something simple like, hey, I am buying ice cream from Faraz. Um, it's gonna cost me 10 bucks, right? So you can code in that, hey, like w- the minute that Faraz sends me the ice cream, like send $10 to him from Suan's wallet. And that's done on a blockchain. That blockchain, like Ethereum actually is like my favorite um, because it has, the developers behind Ethereum, the community behind Ethereum, are developing a lot of use cases for Ethereum. Um, like Dubai, for instance, does all the social um, social services on Ethereum's blockchain. Um, there are like um, various other companies that are using Ethereum's ledger to support its infrastructure. Um, uh, sorry, yeah, for ahead. like short story, I guess what you're saying is like these smart contracts, basically it kind of increases productivity and exchanges. Um, yeah, I mean that's one facet. It can be a whole host of things, right? Okay. Like, um, like, uh, like smart contracts, tokenization. Um, each one of these things is actually technology. Like in cryptocurrency, there's a bit of a double-edged sword because you have to figure out like is this cryptocurrency worth X much, but also the tech behind it. For instance, Dogecoin is Bitcoin's tech, but in comic MS Sans and has no developer community behind it so so whenever why so why doesn't dogecoin have the same um like importance or value as as a bitcoin when it comes to the um like legitimacy of it not the not like the actual um the time that it's been around or how many people think it's important, but why is it not seen as legitimate as a Bitcoin? Well, for starters, Inception was a literal joke. Someone literally took the code behind Bitcoin, copied and pasted it in Comic Sans, so that's part of it. But generally, if you look at other things, um, like if you think of like, kind of like influencers on social media, like why do they have a certain level of legitimacy, right? They because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, you know, it's because like they have X many followers who will listen to them, who buy products that they talk about or do other things that they bring up. 
So, like, that's why they have legitimacy. For the U.S. dollar, the U.S. dollar is legitimacy because the government of the United States has tanks. Um, like, you know, like, if you sign a con- or, you know, we have courts and we have police. Uh, you know, like, if you sign a contract in the U.S. government, uh, oh, sorry, in the U.S., it's enforceable by uh, the police, right, essentially. Like, if you are a ten- tenant and a landlord and you get into a contract, which is the lease, and you have a tenant stop paying the landlord, landlord could send cops to get you out of the property. Um, for cryptocurrencies, it's the auto, like that stuff is automated in code, so you can do that. So essentially, people have formed virtual communities, societies, network effects on these blockchains. So, so why is Bitcoin worth more? Because Bitcoin's community is the biggest. Most of the people believe in Bitcoin. Most people transact in Bitcoin. Most people are Bitcoin has a really large developer network um there's not a lot of innovation happening on bitcoin um so that arguably that's a ding so is it like the Ethereum. safest cryptocurrency uh i'm not gonna pine on that okay. but, um because like you know because for instance like litecoin is actually cryptocurrency developed by all the banks like wall street literally developed by cryptocurrency arguably is that safer than bitcoin but bitcoin has a lot more developers behind it so who knows um so you kind of have to make that assessment and like what you're being safe for. Bitcoin has widest acceptance and uh, Ethereum probably has like the most innovation being done on it. And then Litecoin has the most institutional support. So what are you trying to like solve for? That will give you like, you know, like what currency you want to favor. Well, Suhan, we're n- we don't know uh, what to do with these things, you know, like we're just <laughs> we're just stupid, dumb people. And if I see Bitcoin, right, I see, okay, this has, this is worth, what is it, like 50000 or something now? Yeah, it says 52000 right now. Okay. So, first of all, that's, that costs, that's one Bitcoin. $55,000 to buy one, or $53,000 to buy one Bitcoin. Uh-huh. I can't, like, I can't buy, I can't afford one Bitcoin uh, right now. So, when people say... Like get in on Bitcoin and all of this stuff. Like, um, should you buy, uh, you know, pieces of it? How much should how much should you start uh, buying? How often do you buy it? Do you hold on to you hold on to it? Do you use it? Like, how should you go into Bitcoin or just sure. any uh, just any coin? Yeah, cryptocurrency and so. stock market to a certain extent right now are fractionalized, so you can own. Not a whole share or a whole Bitcoin, you can own pieces of it. But let's look at it like this. Um, if you look at like Instagram and TikTok, t- I think those apps became really popular because Instagram allowed a person with a phone to do what the photographer did with a bunch of equipment and like Photoshop and various other software. TikTok did the same thing with software. They let you compete with people who have gimbals and a bunch of video, video editing software. Um, we that's the beauty of like the the era we live in is that like tech is enabling you know individuals to have that and robin hood was on the position of trying to do something similar except their business model is a little little sus um so i think we're in a position like a place in time um where individuals actually have the ability to not actually become experts but take part in these things in a rational way um, to figure out like 
you know, like what's the best thing for them? Because, you know, for guys who are young, who can take on a lot of risks, generically speaking, I'm not talking to anyone specifically, like being heavily invested in crypto coin is not a bad idea. Like being heavily invested in like the right crypto coins, for instance, versus traditional stocks, because you have, you're just a long leg, like, you know, long time for Bitcoin to fix any of the issues that like it may have in the future. Because there are like developer communities behind this who are solving problems using Bitcoin or that Bitcoin itself has or Ethereum and, you know, so on and so forth. Um, so a little bit of like, you know, like destiny is a little bit in your own hands and that, you know, you, you got to use the tools you have, the resources you have, get more knowledge and figure out like what's the right situation for you. For some people, it's actually none of those things and it's paying off student debt. Other people, it's maybe going to med school because that's because that's where their passion and interest lies, and that's where they'll make the most money because that's where those like just be naturally focused. For other people, it you know it's dabbling a little bit in all these things. So, um, that helps. the The last mm -hmm. part of that question was, you know how how do you utilize it, or do you just hold on to it until it has value, and then you sell it, um, or do you like use it to like you're saying, maybe it's it's usable towards like med school or something like yeah. that. Like, like is, is that it, how it works? is it going to be like, are we going to be trading only Bitcoin in the future or something like, is that, you know, something we should look out for? Um, so I think Singapore is one of the countries, but for instance, like China has already moved to a cryptocurrency, and that's not a cryptocurrency because it's a real currency, but they moved to a fully digitalized version of the yuan that's backed on a blockchain. Um, so I think... I don't know if the USD or other traditional currencies like the British pound will move onto a fully open source ledger like that. Um, it, it takes some of the government's power away and I doubt they'll give that up. Um, but I think these will be, um, you know, like real, I mean, there are real things and there's something you should pay attention to. Um, kind of the same way like baseball cards, collectibles, um, you know, music royalties, the same, similar to that stuff. They have value in a certain community, right? Like someone can walk up to you and be like, hey, do you want to, you know, like Hank Aaron's baseball, card, rookie baseball card? And you can be like, you might not care or you might realize like, hey, someone else might buy for me for a lot of money. Like it has worth. Yeah, in a sense. But it only has worth because there's some people who actually are really into baseball cards. Yeah. Um, so similarly, like Bitcoin, like, some people may want to transact in Bitcoin because it keeps them anonymous. So that's going to have worth for that. Um, Ethereum is going to, I, I personally am like pretty long on Ethereum because Ethereum, I think will have value because the government of Dubai uses it. Like companies use it for like tracking like farm products. Um, you know, so like, why is it going to, like, why could it potentially have value? Like, um, you know, if you kind of dig down into it, you can see it. Um, but blockchain as a technology, I think I have, mm huge ramifications for society from health records on the blockchain, um, like real estate records, government records, contracts. Um, that's one way to be involved in kind of spaces, invest in like blockchain companies um, versus actually directly in the crypto. So someone like investing in these, you basically don't have like a straight up answer, like, oh, hold it or keep it. Like if someone wants to make a little money, they just buy it, sell it a little bit. Or if they want to hold it for the future, we just like don't know what's going to happen, right? Yeah, as an investment professional, I can't give a specific <laughs> um, um, view. Like, but you know, generally, like, like my views are like 
I have exposure to a lot of things. Like I'm invested by exposure. I mean, like I'm invested in a lot of things. Um, like that's real estate, venture invest, venture and angel investments, the stock market, uh, cryptocurrencies. Um, I started buying art recently too. Um, this guy. So <laughs> Jay Z over here. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, because like to what like Shamir, what you're saying, like I have no idea. Like this artist worth like you know it's nice on my wall i like it and like i relate to the artist because he, he's also bengali and muslim and whatnot but hopefully someday like i'm hoping someone's gonna like you know be like yeah i want that for 10x we paid for it i'm like sweet <laughs> you know because uh, you never know right like like it's kind of like my my uh like quest for Bli- or um more or less for bitcoin like i had no idea what this stuff was and i was like this is clearly not real and then i saw some of the tech that was being um like created essentially with like a blockchain and i was like oh if we have smart contracts the only way you're gonna be able to code that is actually using cryptocurrency so there's gonna be inherent value in ethereum or or litecoin or um uh like bitcoin and whatever other currencies use for those smart contracts we have to still figure out like particularly in crypto like like who like what's gonna win out right like is it litecoin because that's the one the banks made um you know like Venmo and all these apps were like Cash App were getting really popular, so the banks came up with Zelle, right? And then overnight that became like a market standard. Like, could that like I haven't seen that happen with Litecoin. Um, I'm pretty sure Litecoin is the one that does that. Um, is the one is the one that banks invented um, or innovated. Uh, so you know we still have to see that, right? Like, um, but you know the fact that Zelle came about didn't kill Cash App or Venmo. Um, so does that mean like Litecoin? Ethereum, Bitcoin, um, ver- whatever the other coins are, like, exist, like, potentially, like, and then also, like, other companies create coins for specific purposes. Um, so maybe those coins in the future will have value. You know, we'll have to see about that. Because, um, you know, remember, like, these things are a little different than, like, stocks because there's also, like, certain amount of, like, tech and, like, network effects that underlie them. What I'm hearing... Um from this whole conversation is really just look into when it comes to like stocks and crypto, the same way that we um, invest our time into watching certain things on Netflix or listening to certain music or just caring about little collections that we might have. Why do we care about the things that we collect or consume? What worth do they have? Did somebody tell us that this thing is important or will make some sort of impact on you? If we look at it uh, the same way when it comes to the things we invest our money into, stocks, crypto, who's using it? Just like you were saying, like, okay, like, you know, Ethereum, uh, government of Dubai is using it. That's why it gets me excited. Like, if that didn't happen, would you be as excited about it? Um, I think, like, that's what I'm hearing you say is, like, if we do our own research and understand why these things might have worth or, like, just understanding how the society makes sense uh, or values these things, then that puts us in a position to be able to understand why we should invest in it a little bit better. Yeah. And I, I think what also you said earlier in the podcast too, which was amazing, was like the best investment is in yourself. Like learn skills, learn this and stuff. And that's probably the best investment that you could probably do. And I thought that was, you know, beautiful. Like you can research all these other things, but, uh, you know, your interest in yourself is probably what will get you the biggest return. Yeah. And you know, like in another way is like, 
you can make all the money in the world if you're not healthy it doesn't matter right <laughs> so like you have to invest in yourself and similarly i think the way that like say like learning how to fix a car is a skill playing music is a skill um being a doctor is a skill um Man, I talk about a lot of doctors. Maybe I have some like chip on my shoulder from like that school. <laughs> um, so it was it was a diverse uh, collection you yeah you spoke about right there. Uh huh. But like similarly, like financial literacy is also a skill set. Like knowing where to go when you have a money question itself is a skill, even if you don't know the answer. And I think we do a poor job of it as a society in preparing our citizens for that. So you know, like the more you can do, actually, the better advantage you have. Uh, in the marketplace to do better because you know a little bit more about stuff. Um, you know, you guys, I'm sure you've heard the, tr- like the saying, like, uh, Jack of all trade, master of none. Yeah. Like, you know what? Everyone actually forgets. Like if you guys are on your computer, you want to Google that and see what the third line is. No, I didn't know there was a third line. <laughs> yeah. Everyone forgets it. Like, no, everyone completely misses it. Jack of all trades, master of none. Master of none makes for a, trying to look makes but oftentimes wait is this it a jack yeah, of all, but oftentimes better than a master of one exactly hmm wow so jack of all trades uh, wow. master of none. that just changes because, the whole thing yeah exactly <laughs> right, let's read it again a jack of all trades is a master of none but oftentimes better than a master of one yeah because Dude. if you have yeah <laughs> You were saying, sorry. Yeah, so I was, you know, like if you have blinders on because you have only one view, only one skill set, you're gonna, you don't, you don't even know what you don't know, right? Like you could be missing something completely. And I was kind of like that with like cryptocurrencies, like I didn't understand them, so I just completely avoided them, and I missed the run up from ten to thirty k in Bitcoin. But had I studied them earlier, I could have gone in on that. So knowing a little bit about it, just enough, so when you come across something, you know how to look into it is the best place to be, in my opinion. Last thing I want to talk about is the, the one thing that you know you're, you're, you have on your website and all of that is real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, I think real estate, out of all the things we talked about, is maybe a little bit of finally a cool down for a lot of people that just like, <laughs> we understand that there's a certain amount of land and um, you know, it, it eventually gains um, more and more value over time. And we constantly hear buy land, buy land, buy land. Um, it's a good thing to have. What's what's a good way to get into real estate and things that you should you know uh, know when you're when you're trying to get your hands in it a little bit? You guys are gonna hate this answer. Ready? Real estate investing for dummies. <laughs> oh. that's, a good, that's, a, that's a good answer. Those books, those, the dummies, you're saying those books really work. Yeah, like um, those books because they're written. Um, because I think most books are written either as like a book with content that you follow chapter by chapter or a reference book so you can flash through. Dummies books are the few books I've come across that are actually both in one book. Mm. Yeah, so but, they, but we want to hear from Suhan Junaid from JunaidVentures.com. Uh, like we want to know what worked for you. What was it that, that made you uh, Mr. 305? So, I mean, the story kind of behind it is that like when I was on Wall Street, I was investing in a couple of things. The stock market. I was trying to do like angel investing in private like venture company, and I started doing some real estate stuff. And I quickly realized that like real estate is where I can have a, like a pretty meaningful advantage because of how the market is set up for all the wrong reasons. Um, 
So I decided to focus on that and then I, and I end up starting to get better at it. So it became a feedback loop where I started to get more passionate about it. Um, so essentially it was like, I was like, Oh, here's a place where I think I might have an outside advantage. Um, so then I was like, all right, so let me develop more skill sets in this area until I actually did have an outside advantage, outsized advantage. Does that mean that you figured out you have enough money to buy a lot of land because other people don't? I figured out that, you know, below a certain threshold, I'm competing with like people, investors who are not, who don't work hard as me, who are not as educated as me in real estate, not necessarily like degrees, and who aren't, as, aren't taking the time to be as sophisticated essentially. Or as handsome. I realized, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> uh-huh. um, so I just realized like, I was like, hey, like, so if I spend the time here, I can actually do really well. For some people, like for me, that was real estate, but like that could be, for some guys, that's catching a football. For, other, for you guys, it's entertainment, right? Like, um, so I just got really good at it be, like, because I was like, oh, like I could be really, I could potentially be really good at this. Let me try it. Hey, I'm actually not bad at this. Let me work on getting better. Oh, snap. Like I'm actually pretty good at this. Oh, hey, like I'm actually not really good at this. Um, you know, it's a feedback loop. Like people always trying to figure out, like, I think like, oh, what's my passion? I'll start a business, start studying that. Honestly, I think your passion is like what you're good at. Like if you're good at it, people are going to pat you on the back, give you compliments. You'll feel good. You start doing more of it. You'll get better. People give you more compliments. You feel even better about it. That becomes your passion. (laughs) (laughs) That's what worked for you. That's what, you know, kept you going along the way and helps you find all your success. Yeah. uh, It was simply just about like, oh, okay, this is interesting to me. Let me work on it. Like, so I did the real estate thing. And now as of the last like two years, I got really interested in like angel investing, like backing founders, backing like new companies. And now I, I studied a lot more, I've gotten better at it. Um, that's opened up more opportunities. People, call, you know, same thing, like got good at it. People pat me on the back, got better at it because of it. People now, more people compliment me and pat me on the back. And, you know, it kind of cascades. Um, we and can talk use specifically. that as a way of like uh, giving back to the communities you care for, people that you believe in. Is that what that's all about? The angel investing? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yes and no. Like a lot of what I do, um, like be it in real estate and whatnot, like I try to do it in a way so that, you know, can make me money, but also be like a positive impact for society. Um, angel investing can be a little bit more direct because yes, I can back like underrepresented founders, back a business. I think that'll change the world in the right way, but also providing good quality housing at an affordable or at least the market rent because you know like when you when you go to rent a place like you can get like a crappy landlord who doesn't listen to you and doesn't respond to you or you have a good landlord um so that in itself can be you know like if someone's going to pay me for a service which is an apartment like i try to buy the best service yeah um, but also like you talked about like real estate being more accessible um that is actually kind of a little bit how i got into it it was like hey this is kind of accessible like i can buy a house there's certain programs that help me buy a house. Let me look into it. Oh, hey, like I got into it. Like, and I was like, oh, I can actually get a couple more skill sets to make me better. Um, and if we can dive into real estate too, if you want. Yeah, no, I'm, I want to, I want to know like, what is the, um, when it comes to the way that you, um, you know, started off your career and all of this up until now, like, what is your, um, what does your day look like? 
mm-hmm. what are you doing usually and what are some like goals that you set to keep um growing along the way okay um so when i first started off looked like i you know like we, we come from immigrant families right like my family, like, I was never, like, hungry and, like, never in a bad place compared to, like, a lot of people in the U.S. But there was a point where, like, you know, my aunt's family, my uncle's family, we all lived in one house. Typical immigrant story. We had a nicer house just because a little, like, all three of the families were a little bit better to do. And then, um, you know, and I remember at a point in, like, in college, like, something happened personally in our family life where, like, you know, I went from having my tuition paid for to then having to borrow money um, and then, you know, graduating with, like, student debt. Um, so coming out of the gate, like my goal was kind of just like, okay, like how do I make as much money as possible, as fast as possible? And that shifted toward, Hey, like I'm good at certain things and I like certain things. Let me focus on that. And as I get better at it, like naturally people will pay me more to do that. Um, the day to day on the, the reason I started there was because the day to day on those things looks very different. When I was just, you know, trying to pay off student loans, I don't just trying to make money. Um, my day-to-day look basically like whatever like my managing director or VP or associate told me to do, that's what like my day consisted of. It was essentially coming in, checking my email, seeing what like staffings I had and doing that like on Wall Street. And now my day is focused around like, okay, like what is it that I want to do? What is it that I'm good at? What is it that I can hire away, um, you know, give to someone else to do? And then like your, your goals that you set to keep on growing. My goal, so, like, I, um, um, much of my mother's chagrin, it's not necessary to get married soon, but, um, <laughs> um, you know, my goal is kind of, like, focus around, like, specific things, like, like, you know, with the whole angel messing thing, it's like, hey, I've discovered something that's pretty cool, let me work on figuring it out, and let me, uh, try to get better at it, and I think that's actually what has been behind my success, in you know wall street investing whatever it is is that like i was just like i'm not trying to become like you know like sam zell or like well kind of but i focus <laughs> on <laughs> um, but you know i'm looking like here like okay like what do i need to get, do today to get my goal of like this week done and what i need to do this week to get my monthly goal done what i didn't do this month to get my yearly goal done like i went through this um actually with my friend and i was he was like he works like a, he has like a car business and he was like, oh, let me, I want to sell 30 cars a month. I was like, why 30? Let's start with 300. And he was like, what? That sounds impossible. And we were like, well, let's figure out a way. Hmm. And then we just drove backwards from that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't wake up figuring like, okay, like how do I become, you know, like, uh, I don't know, Gordon Gecko. But what would Gordon Gecko do this week to be Gordon Gecko next month? Um, so kind of breaking down and figuring out like, okay, like, this is what I'm working on. Let me just focus on and getting better. Um, there's no hype. There's no, there's no GME. Like you just got to get down there and do the work. There is no GME. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I introduce you to the team as the Bengali Bruce Wayne. Oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah. That means I heard- now I got to go beat up some bad guys. <laughs> yeah. I, I heard. That's why um, he didn't answer the question. Like fully, he was just like, "Yo, very vague." It's like I beat up bad guys at night. <laughs> Why haven't we seen Suhan and Batman in the same place at the same time? Um, yeah, I, I heard this um, quote from my friend. Uh, you know, recently when 
Elon Musk is, you know, all over the news um, and he is so important in, in today's time of what's going on in, you know, advancement of society and, and technology and all of that. Um, and I was like, I guess we just watch King Elon and, and listen to what he says. And he was like, no, don't listen to what Elon says. Watch what Elon does. And that's kind of like what you're saying of when it comes to your goals you know, it's not it's not just about saying like, oh, I want to be this rich person. Like, no, what do you want to how do you want to get there? Like, all right, let's start by selling this many things or getting to that goal or whatever. But you know, that's helpful. Yeah, look, like the beauty, the there's a lot of downsides to like America's capitalist society. But one of the upsides is that, like, if you do something well, people will pay you to do it. And the better you do it, the people will pay you more to do it. That's, you know, whether you're a musician, a doctor pharmacist there you go again there you, you go again <laughs> <laughs> yeah um you know it is whatever you know like like that's the one of the upsides of being in like this um weirdly structured capitalist society so you know like yeah we can have all these goals of like i want this and that and like you know i i heard like i remember i was like uh, looking for an apartment and i was like in this facebook group and someone posted a really nice apartment um it's some person um, and we're going to specifics about who posted like I haven't manifested yet, but when I do, um, I, you know, want to have an apartment like that. And I was like, what does that mean? Like when you haven't manifested and, you know, to some extent, like maybe it helps people. But for me, it's better for me to be in the here and now of like, OK, like what is it that I'm working on? If I enjoy it, can I get better at it? If I don't enjoy it, what do I need to do next to get to something I do enjoy? Yeah, they haven't even they haven't even manifested the apartment yet, let alone just <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> manifest the apartment to begin yeah. with. You st- it's it's a two step process to, to even think about having the apartment. That's interesting. Yeah. And I think like artists actually have a huge advantage at this because you guys think of what you do as your craft versus the job. Like whether you're a musician, like comedians, you guys are always working on honing your craft. To me, that's what just like my job is like it's finance is my crap. How do I get better at it? Like, what do I need to do? Like, do I need to speed read? Do I need to like learn accounting better? Do I need to code? Whatever it is, it's just another skill set that I'm going to add to get better at it. I'm fortunate enough that like I found a place, like a niche where like my passions, my hobbies overlap into something I like doing. Um, and I've also like view now like. I mean, ideally, obviously, like, I'd rather just be on a beach, like, chilling and playing guitar. But, like, um, you know, I've, I see, like, you know, I figure out how to find enjoyment in what I do. Um, and I, that, and you're like, in Florida, artist, so close enough, you get to do both. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Live on Biscayne Bay, so. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. No, I think, I think, you know, the, the importance of this conversation, why we wanted you here today, is just basically that... There's, you know, different approaches you can have to all of this. And I think it's easy to just mm-hmm. be like, oh, screw rich people, you know, F the billionaires. But no, we, screw the rich people, F the billionaires. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but like, but what are you going to do about it? And are you going to try to learn and, and try to get in the game, get a little piece for yourself or just like sit there and, and you know, complain about uh, all of what's going on without you know, trying to understand even uh, of, of how you can make a better situation for you and your family. And I think like 
it's it's part partly irresponsible for you to just only you know protest um, without taking any sort of action along the way. Well, protest is a form of action, right? Sometimes protest is necessary, but I think we can manifest protesting in a lot of different ways, right? Like, okay, you 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 can protest Exxon Mobil for polluting, but you can also drive, uh, you know, like use mass transit or like, you know, dis, like BDS for essentially from, you know, like fossil fuels. Fair. Yeah, I think I think what I'm just basically just trying to say is like, you know, um. When it comes to putting yourself in a better situation, um, how can you try to uh, understand the systems around you that are uh, yeah. valid and um, you know ethical uh, to your values, and and do those things along the way while still and, and doing them your way, like you can still make money and do it your way. Uh, maybe it's more difficult uh, versus the things that you don't believe in or whatever, but at least you're doing it the right way and you're doing something about it versus just not knowing uh, about it at all. And I think that's where the frustration and the trouble comes. And we just like, ah, stock market, is it even real? Crypto, like, should I even go in on this? Like, what does all this stuff even mean? Like, it's too, it's too hard to even wrap my head around. So I'm just going to not um, attempt to understand and you know, just, just continue to put my middle finger up. Yeah. Yeah. I think understanding the systems around you, um, and just learning how to survive even is like really important. Uh, and that's not, you know, Republicans have like this weird view that like, if you can't survive in the system, like in your failure and it's like, well, the system itself is a failure. Um, so it's kind of like a, until we can improve the system so we can break it, and you know, dismantle it and put to, put together a better system. You got to figure out how to kind of survive and thrive in the current system while you're trying to dismantle it. Mm, wow. Suhan, if people want to um, learn more about either what you do or follow you, keep up with you, do you have any plugs or to anything else that you that you want to? Um, if they want to, like, I guess. I, I'm mostly on the private side of finance, so um, no one can actually like, follow anything I do. Um, but, you know, if you do want to connect the best place for, um, you know, like, uh, like profession would be like LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, if you want to see my basic ass pictures from Miami, you can follow me on Instagram. All my handles across social are Suhan J. Uh, um, that's but J like as in J-A-Y, so S-U-H-A-N. J-A-Y, and then also on Clubhouse, where you can probably hear me speak a little bit more to this kind of stuff. Yeah, you're popping on Clubhouse. I saw that. It's fire. <laughs> Thanks, Ed. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is uh, Strange Flavors. So we always end the show with one very important question. Shami, you want to take that away? If you could describe yourself in any flavor, what would it be and why? Chocolate mocha. Chocolate why? mocha. Why are you chocolate mocha? The first thing that popped into my mind is obviously because it's brown, and I'm brown, clearly. But what the chocolate part encompasses is the influence my African-American friends had on me growing up in the communities I did. Wow. I love that. <laughs> but it's also because he's the Bengali Bruce Wayne. <laughs> That's exactly what he would say. 
<laughs> no, Suhan, we appreciate you so much coming on here and um, you. you know educating us, uh, and and you know hopefully we can uh, we can continue to all uh, get better in this space. But there's a lot of learning to do. I know that. But thank yeah. you for helping. And us definitely learn out. to not buy twenty dollar uh, lemonades. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, but we're excited to uh, you know, link up again sometime soon, Shell, and and you know, wishing you the best of luck going forward. Yeah, come through, guys. There's a blizzard in Maryland, right? Yeah, <laughs> we're we're hella jealous of what's going on down there, but so we we might have to pull up, pull down. You you mean the uh, the climate, like the sea levels rising? Is that what you're about? Oh, <laughs> <snap>. <laughs> All right, well, thank you again, Suhan. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Strange Flavors. It's been another week. Another flavor. A little less stranger. We'll talk to you next time. That little shiny wanna vibe, yeah. I ain't really picking up the signs, yeah. I'm just really focused on my life, yeah. Yeah, I'm really, really on my grind, yeah. Yeah, I'm really, really trying to shine, yeah. Packy boy, made it let it rhyme, yeah. Yeah, I'm really, really trying to shine, yeah. Packy boy, made it let it rhyme.